Hey guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fitness Podcast, the relaunch, episode two. And Kate Reese. And today's episode is going to be a little bit of a Q&A episode. It's going to be, I think we've highlighted two or three questions that we've got through. Um, And if you guys have any questions on the back of this episode or that you want us to answer, please fire them through to either of us on Instagram. Yep. Um, but yeah, how are you doing, Kate? I'm tell, great. Tell the people. Tell the people. Said yes to the dress yesterday. So Kate had a dress shopping weekend. My mum's been visiting. Her mum up, my mum, one of her bridesmaids. Yeah. And she went dress shopping on Friday. She came back. She was like, oh, you know, I think I found some quite nice ones. I don't know. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I was feeling quite stressed on Friday because like, everyone tells you that you're going to have this like moment of just like when you know, you know. And like genuinely every dress I tried on on Friday, I was like, this is stunning. I like it. But like, I don't love it. And the shop that I was in and the lady that was like I was dealing with, like she was she's quite irritating, to be honest. <laughs> like... And it was just, I was just feeling like a bit, I don't know, I came away just feeling a little bit flat with it of like, shit, what if I don't have that feeling? What if like that I'm going to go tomorrow and almost put more pressure on when I went again yesterday? Um, But no, I'm like obsessed. I'm so excited. And it is literally the opposite of what I thought I was going to get, which is why, like, I still can't quite get my head around the style I've gone for versus like what I was like thinking I was going to go for. I'm quite excited. Yeah. Just, what is it, five month wait? Look, five? Six months. Um, I actually think we're six months from the wedding now. No. March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Eight months. Oh, eight months, fuck. All yeah, right. you're fine. Plenty it's a long wait still. Still quite a long time. Yeah, I don't know when so, I'm yeah. going to do my suit. That was, but yeah, we've had a lovely weekend with family visiting. Um... It's, it's been celebratory. It has. It's felt celebratory. It has. It's the first time someone stayed at our flat. Yeah. So we've got a, we, we, we have a guest room now. So House guest. Uh, we, had, we had Kate's mum over to stay. It was lovely. Cooked for a couple of nights in a row. Had some really nice meals. And then, yeah, we've had two beautiful meals today and yesterday. Absolutely banging. Yeah. We've, we've eaten well this weekend for sure. Oh, yeah. Which is actually a bit of a topic that we've got today, isn't it? We do. Literally on the back of our meal yesterday, both of us had messages. How do you guys eat out so often and stay in such good shape? Yeah. We've covered this on episode four. We have. We've dived into this before, but I think it's something that comes up quite a lot because I think we're very quick to show the highlight, like not the highlights on our Instagram, but like we will go out for a roast and we'll only show the roast of like what we ate that day. You know, probably didn't show that we had a slightly lighter breakfast. We didn't show that we'd already been to the gym. We didn't show that we'll probably have quite a light dinner. Like, and I think people just see that. It's like when we go to the pastry section, people are like, oh my God, have you actually eaten all that cake? It's like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But that's why I ate this afternoon, kind of thing. Yeah. Like I didn't eat my normal breakfast, lunch and dinner and have four different things in the pastry section yeah as well yeah i ate primarily protein and cake <laughs> yeah, protein vegetables and cake that yeah was the day. yeah um no i think um i think that can be there's a few things isn't there like it's no it can... kids we've got a dog uh we work for ourselves yeah in you know yes desk bound jobs but fundamentally ones that are quite flexible yeah 
we um, are we are very active like i've already done 20k steps today and it's not even four o'clock yeah and i think we prioritize being active yeah we do as in you know it's all well and good going so there's there's two sides to that coin is yes we have the ability to be active but yeah. we also do prioritize it yeah i have many clients and people who i chat to who 100% have the ability to be active mm-hmm. and choose not to be. Yeah. And it is a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, is one of the reasons that we are quite active because it facilitates higher calorie intakes at whatever phase of life that we're at. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Until I'm like peak muscle gain phase and almost getting uncomfortable with how much I'm eating one of the reasons I will do higher steps is for a good calorie intake. Yeah. And it is almost an exchange. Like it almost feels like a transactory experience. I will do more activity. This will allow me to be able to eat more calories for X, Y, Z goal. Um, And then inevitably, yeah, I pull mine down a lot when I start getting uncomfortably full. Um, We have very different mindsets then, Mm. Kate generally never gets uncomfortably full and you know the higher calories can be the better anytime yeah um there's a cutoff for me which is about 3500 calories uh starts to above that starts to become a little bit more of a challenge for me um but um yeah we, we massively prioritize movement mm. um for sure um and i think when you are and and both of us are medium-sized humans yeah, I was going to say, like, it, like certainly looking Sorry, at it for a female. You're a medium to heavier human mm. for a female. Yeah. Um, I think you'd say 70 kilos and above is, is not a small female anymore. Yeah, you can get away. Um, you can get away with so much more. Like, I've got some clients who, even when they're not dieting, like, they have to be really quite careful. Like, one punchier meal a week could be enough over time you know to see a steady increase in weight gain because their maintenance calories are sub you know around 16 1700 because they are very sedentary they don't naturally move much and they're like five foot nothing and weigh like 50 odd kilos and it's like our meal yesterday at Les Carbet Blur would be capable of being two days of maintenance calories for some of our clients. Yeah. Maintenance. Yeah. It, it was entirely possible yesterday to eat 3,000 calories at Les Carribler. Yeah. I don't think any of us did, but you could oh, go yeah. through 3,000 calories. Easily. If you had an extra serving of bread, you were liberal with the butter. We got mussels that came with a uh, brie sauce. If you want to mop up all of that brie sauce, etc. And I think it was possible. Yeah. Um, Everyone was leaving stuff. So say for me personally, I, I could have been mopping up everyone's leftovers, which I, which I did. Yeah, um, but I could have done it. I could have done it more. Yeah. And I reckon easily it could have totted up to 3,000 calories. Now for me, that is probably around maintenance for me, roughly. Yeah. Right now with the activity levels I have and the fact that I've adapted to dieting a little bit. So my metabolism is actually a bit slower. But there are instances where that would be still... 800 calories off my maintenance and yeah. I might have eaten 800 out with that. And that might've just been a maintenance day for me. Yeah. That's not doable for like for if, if you're a small female and you have even 2000 calories in a meal out, it's difficult to balance that more than once a week. So different. add alcohol in. Yeah. 
that's another thing as well is like we don't drink we don't really drink like we will m- more so in the past year i'd say we'll go and we'll have like a glass of something and we'll have a nice glass of wine but well, like nowadays for a nice meal we'll have two alcoholic beverages yeah but like it's not like when we go for these tasting menus we do wine pairings no. and we don't turn it into a boozy night afterwards exactly yeah um, um so i think like i think it's a combination for us of we are quite like health conscious people we are very you know certainly goal driven and our goals are important to us therefore i think that that is always consciously or subconsciously in the back of our minds like even yesterday i'll be completely honest in this cargo blur i could have eaten more like jake said mopping other people's up like I could have eaten more bread. I could have finished some of his mum's coat de boeuf. I could have had some dauphinoise, you know, easily. Could have eaten quite a lot more. But I, I also think that we are quite good at, not quite good, but certainly a reason that we st- can manage these meals out, regardless of the phase that we're in, is that our mindset does shift subtly. Now, we used to be actually quite disordered for this, I would say, back in like 2018, like five years ago, where we would not have enough flexibility in my opinion yeah but certainly there is a small mindset shift depending on the meal if it's just a standard date night there is more of a mindset shift when we are both dieting to you know let's go and have a great time let's go and have a glass of fizz or glass of wine let's blah 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 but probably let's not be as indulgent as we might be yeah when both of us are in a calorie surplus yeah, and blah, blah, blah. And the same for how we would then mitigate that. Mm. When we're both in a calorie surplus, we would go with a very slightly lighter day yeah, leading into the meal. When dieting, it will be a light day. yeah. It will be somewhere between 600 and 900 calories kind of thing before the meal out yeah, or out with the meal out. So I think I had 600 calories out with the meal out yesterday because mm. five weeks out from a photo shoot starts to become squeaky bum time need to actually crack on with things and we've had three meals out four yeah, meals out in the really last seven days week this week four meals out in the last seven days that's just been my reality is being aggressive in between those meals out to the yeah. point that i didn't really want to be that aggressive but i have been wasn't super enjoyable um and keeping the days really light and I think the other thing that we do, final point on this, is we take stock. Mm. Is this having an impact? Yeah. Or isn't it? What can we get away with? Yeah. And we want to get away with as much as we can to still see the results that we want. Of course. We want things to be enjoyable. You know, how many meals out a week can I get away with? How indulgent can they be? Yeah. And still making good progress and not fucking hating life in between those meals out. Because you can always just eat 500 calories every day. And have a punchier meal out at night time. No, no, as in like you could literally eat 500 calories Monday through Thursday. Oh, right. And then just go absolutely wham at the weekend. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're a small female and you try and go three meals out a week. Yeah. And then you have to be at 600 calories on the other days. Yeah. Because you can calculate this. I'll do this for clients and I'll go, these are the calories you have to eat on average in a day Mm -hmm. to be in a 500 or 300 calorie deficit. Times that by seven. Add in the calories that we think that you'll eat on days where you have meals out. So say it's two two days that you have meals out and you're going to be at 3,000 both of them. Right, that's 6,000 calories for those two days. And we know that you have, say, I don't know, 11,000 calories over seven days. 
is what you need to be eating to be in a deficit. How many, so we've had 6,000, you take that away from the 11,000, we're left with 5,000. Divide that by five, mm. right? You need to eat a thousand calories every day yeah. to be in a deficit. If you want to have these days sitting how they are, and then quite quickly they go, well, I don't want to mm. eat a thousand calories. Yeah. Okay, well, your meal out days have to change yeah. or your um, or you have to be a bit hungrier or you have to accept that you're not going to be in a deficit. Yeah. And it is literally as simple as that. Yeah. Or you have to increase your activity level. Again, coming back to that at the start. Yeah. But it's worth taking, like, that's something, definitely something we would do is, you know, is this affecting our results? Yeah. Right. What can we change? Do we have to go a bit lower throughout the week? Or is that not going to... Yeah. And, like, obviously, it, there's going to be a degree of, like, having to be fluid and flexible with, like, what you've got on. Like, I wouldn't say we are massively social people, but, like, a week like this week where... One of Jake's old school friends was visiting Edinburgh. My mum's been staying for a couple of days. Jake's mum's been here. One of my best friends has been here. Like this week is a bit of an anomaly for us in a sense that we... That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's double what we usually have on. <laughs> easily. And like there's there's a degree of like, well, it's, you know, we're going to mitigate it and we're going to be sensible and do what we can out with it. But there has to be a bit of a degree. Like this week, I well, well and truly went into this week of like, if it is more of a maintenance week, like I, on paper kind of finished up dieting end of last week anyway, it was like, that's okay. Like I'm okay with that. Um, we take a step backwards. Go, yeah, right, exactly. Okay. And like Gonna you have half to be kilo, okay with that as well. Like, and then there may be other weeks where, you know, naturally you have a quieter week and you can get your head down a little bit more and you can potentially set some more boundaries and be like, you know, if, if pal messages you on a Thursday afternoon saying do you want to go out for dinner and drinks tonight and you're like actually do you know what I've had last week was a heavy one I kind of said to myself this week was going to be a little bit quiet I'm like stick to your guns on that like there, there does have to be that like compromise and I think you know as I said we're all for showing the highlights and the fun stuff but ultimately if, if your goals are genuinely really important to you and you you've got your sights set on them there does also have to be a degree of compromise and a degree of moderations around that as well. Mm. And this is going to, this actually is going to be a little bit of a, like almost like harsh statement to make, but also like have a bit of a word. If you're one of those people who, you know, has a bit more of an indulgent week weekend and then goes into the next week. Oh, I just find it really hard to get back into my routine. Fucking get over it. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's really hard to get back in my routine. Well, it is. I crave that routine. I can't wait for like a normal couple of days of food. No, I know, but we're a bit we're a bit weird on that, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I know. but you know, come on now. Yeah. You've had an indulgent weekend. Fucking get back into it. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, it is a bit hard. But like, this is again, it's planning. Mm. Like, if we know that we're away for the weekend, all right, we're going for a boozy weekend away in Manchester or whatever, there'll be a conversation. How are we going to crack back into things mm. on Monday? Yeah. Okay. We're going to crack into work early doors and we're going to take the dog for a walk at eight in the morning or something. Yeah. And then we're going to go to Lidl on the way back. Yeah. And we're going to get our full week's food shop. And we would, if we didn't have the ability to do that, we would do that on Sunday evening. Yeah. Even. But, or we would put things in place to make that doable or mitigate or, you know, buy some stuff at the train station or something for Sunday and Monday and then go Sunday evening or yeah. uh, Monday evening. Sorry. Yeah. But there would be no, I will just, We'll just free fall into Monday and let and the week yet. start yeah. slipping away. Yeah. It's very much like there has to be a degree of planning there. And one yeah, one of the most important habits, if you want to be someone who can have meals out 
and nights out and all this stuff and still make really good progress is to be able to flick in and out of that routine. I'm going for a nice meal out. I'm going to totally relax and enjoy it. I'm going to have that boundary in place that come the next day, I'm not going to do anything dumb. I'm not going to start fucking going, I need to do extra cardio here, there, everywhere. What's my normal routine? Back into it. Yeah. Boom. Boom. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, The people who really struggle with this, one meal out turns into three days. Yeah. And it just can't. And then it spirals, even from there. Can't do that. That is that's the part that's impossible to manage. Yeah. Um should we go next? Question number two was about protein. It was. Uh, I had someone message me about how much protein do they need to eat? And was it actually important to split it up? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I think probably the most common thing I see as a nutritionist, trainer, you know starting up with new clients working with people even like seeing people's food diaries like that's part of what we do with some clients they're struggling with certain things people like general population under eat protein like period like and I think in the last couple of years has become like more awareness around protein but still people just get it so wrong you know they think I only need I really only need to be thinking about my protein if I've like been to the gym and I'm having a protein shake after I've been to the gym or, you know, I'm, well, I have, I have some chicken at dinner or I have, you know, I have one meal a day where I have some form of protein, therefore I'm okay. Yeah. Um, or I, you know, I have the odd protein bar, therefore it's, it's good. Um, protein bar that has five grams of protein. There. Yeah. And it's one of those like Trek ones that's yeah. like more like a flapjack. Um so yeah, like protein is like not even from a fitness training, building muscle, recovering from the gym standpoint, from a general well-being, protein is so important. Immune system, skin, hair. Literally. Like you want good skin, you want strong hair, you want good nails, nails that don't break and aren't super brittle. Like you want to have a bloody high protein diet. <laughs> yeah, or at least medium. I think it's a good thing. Should we cover really quickly what would what kind of protein intake would you be looking for if you were, you know, casually partake in exercise? You kind of want to lose some weight, but you're not super fussed about uh, you know, maximizing your results. Yeah. So probably be looking at um 1.2 grams of protein per, per kilogram of body weight of body weight unless you are really quite high body fat so if you're like 70 kilos what's that 84 84 quick maths so i would say like as a general rule of thumb like i i yeah i mean hundreds always just feels like a nice round number but like if, for me 80 to 100 is often like a real sweet spot. Certainly, I, I mean, I primarily work with females. I know you work with a lot of males, Jake. Yeah. For, um, for gen pop, like, and we are talking, you know, this, this person maybe struggles to get enough protein and or is not mad serious about their results. Yeah. 100 grams ends up being a sweet spot for most people. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with 80 grams is that when you slip below 80 grams, which you're inevitably going to slip below the yeah, protein target you're aiming for, yeah. it's probably not enough. No. 
And if you do that two or three times a week, probably a really easy thing to go for is we should probably be getting three servings. Yeah, that's always the easiest way to break it down, isn't it? Three servings of protein. Every day. 25 grams or more. Yeah. Some servings bigger, but every single one about 25 grams or more. Yeah. And that's going to put you in a really good spot. Yeah. That would be, you know, 75 grams if you hit 25 grams each time. If you hit 30 grams each time, you'd be sitting at 90 grams. Yeah. 35, you're sitting at 105. Yeah. That's a pretty sweet spot. Um, for me, if I have a client who's a little bit more serious about things, really taking, you know, sick of going to the gym, not seeing the results they want, they want to get the most out of it, mm-hmm. right? Four servings. Yeah. 30 grams. Yeah. Unless you're a smaller female, and that 25 grams would mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. But you probably want four protein feedings. Yeah. Um, Which when you say that to people and they've not really done that it's so daunting and like yeah it's it sounds like a lot and it's like it is though it's a massive right we're back we've had a bit of a mic problem technical issues guys amateurs over here (laughs) so it's a massive dietary change most people do not you know you eat one serving of protein per day um so going to four yeah it's a huge dietary change yeah it's and it's it it does entail often a big overhaul and often for like some people as well like there is that interim period where you're trying to kind of find what works for you and what you still enjoy because like you know if if somebody's natural diet is they have a slice of toast for breakfast they have a tin of soup for lunch and then they have like whatever for dinner you know breakfast and lunch protein is pretty void of it so it's like right okay so how am I gonna add this in while still enjoying whilst it's still being whilst it's still convenient for me without it taking loads of time and loads of effort um and yeah like that's that's probably the part of like making a change that is is the hardest bit it's like there's going to be a period where it's going to take some effort it's going to take a bit of work it's you know you're maybe not going to hit the nail on the head every single day you probably you definitely won't hit your protein every single day you might try things that just don't taste great or you don't really enjoy but like the point is is that you are really trying and trying to find what works for you but you also find that your diet is made up of so much like just filler and shit yeah that you know so little of your diet fundamentally is made up by like vegetables and lean protein and the things that we would want a diet ideally to be based around. Yeah. And so there are some huge habit changes. Yeah. You know, if your breakfast is toast, butter and jam, it is literally devoid of anything yeah. that we would want to have in there from a beneficial point of view. Now, is that to say that you can never have toast, butter and jam? No, it's not. But it is to say that as a day-to-day breakfast, it's piss poor. Yeah. And like, is serving you in no way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. It's not setting you up to feel good. It's not setting you up to nourish you with vitamins and minerals and and all those things. It's not setting you up to recover from exercise. Yeah. It's probably not setting you up to be fueled for any length of time, particularly at all. Like it's going to digest quite quickly and and be in and and gone quite quickly. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, it is a big change for most people. Um, and But the reality is that when you underdo protein as much as most people do, you're leaving so many results on the table. Oh, so many. From a physique change point of view, from a 
performance point of view, from a recovery point of view, and from a, I would say, appetite point of view, satiety. satiety. You're making dieting harder for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, protein's a, it's a mahoosive one. Yeah. Um, and the pacing thing is a big thing. So every, you know, we'd say two to three servings for gen pop who aren't taking things super seriously. Three to four. Four if yeah. you're taking things more seriously. And, you know, 25 to 30 grams ideally. Um, and you plus... want that space during the day. Like, again, something that we see quite often is like someone just having like a huge hit of protein with their evening meal and not much elsewhere. Um, and that isn't actually super useful. Um, you want to see it split across the day because it's essentially what it does is it triggers muscle protein synthesis. And like you need the protein to trigger that. Yeah. So if you're just having like one huge serving at dinner time, that's only going to happen once. Whereas ideally you want that to be happening like consistently multiple times a day. Yeah. So think of it this way. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you break muscles down and then you need to build them back up. And that is partially accurate. It's probably not the best analogy, but it's pretty okay. Um, So there's two kind of processes going on here. Muscle protein breakdown and muscle protein synthesis, MPB, MPS. Um, And we will be be breaking muscle down generally in day-to-day life, but certainly with resistance training. Mm -hmm. And any kind of vigorous exercise. Um, so you lift weights, even like high-end running, like or, or cycling or rowing or anything like that, you'll you'll break down a decent amount of muscle tissue, muscle, um, muscle mass. Um, and you then need to synthesize new muscle tissue. And if you're not doing that with you know a few hits of protein, yeah. you're only getting one hit of protein. Say you have 80 grams of protein with your dinner. And then you've had 10 across the rest of the day. You go, well, I hit 90 grams. Yeah, but you only stimulated muscle protein synthesis once effectively, right? And it is more of a on-off switch than a dimmer switch. You can't Mm. turn it on a bit and then turn it off a bit and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't stay turned on at the max for eight hours because you add 80 grams of protein sort of thing. It stays on and then it kind of wanes off. Yeah. Um. So we do want that protein pacing, as it's called, multiple hits a day. Um, and it does make a huge difference to your results. Um, and um, a lot of people say it's more important that you hit your daily protein. Uh, I actually would say, mm. if you gave me a choice, hit 120 grams of protein from two servings or 80 through three, I would say you're better off with the three. Yeah, I would as well. Um and uh, yeah, oh, we didn't really go over ideal intakes for if you're taking things a little bit more seriously. Mm. I would say 1.6 to 1.8 grams if you're, um, certainly if you're like a veggie vegan, yeah. 1.6 would be like where I'd want you if you're like a veggie vegan, really taking things seriously, um, or even 1.4 grams. And then somewhere between like 1.8 and 2.2 grams per kilo if you are an omnivore and you're already prioritizing protein, but we just want to like maximize things a little optimize bit. It, yeah. um, so what's that look like? That's like, say me, I'm 75 kilos. What would that look like? 150 grams, two kilos. Yeah, probably 150 grams. Yeah. Roughly. Between um, 140 to 160. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a lot of protein. 
It's, it's a lot. It's, um, but when you prioritize it in each meal, it becomes quite easy. I would, I'd go over protein easier than I'd go under it quite often. Yeah. Although I've changed at the moment dieting. I'm only having three servings of protein a day. Um, again, you know, changes a little bit when you're dieting probably. Yeah. Calories are lower. I would rather have three bigger servings of protein because realistically I'm not going to build any muscle while dieting. So having three bigger servings of protein probably covers all my bases because muscle growth isn't a, isn't something I'm going to achieve right now. Yeah. So it, it is one of those things. It's a little bit more of a, you know, it's a dynamic thing. But if I was in a muscle gain phase, I'd actually be aiming for five servings. Yeah. Uh, which I would plug the gap by, at the moment, I'm having a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner, and a bit of an after-dinner snack, which is like popcorn and stuff. I would change that to first thing in the morning, 6 a.m., I'd have a protein hit somewhere around like 9am, 1pm, 4pm, 7pm. That'd be my five. Um, and I think six is probably overkill, but you you know, you could technically go in at, you know, like a 9.30pm, slow release, casein, protein, mm. like a Greek yogurt hit, which is high in casein. Um, that'd be six. Um, so it's doable. It just needs to be a priority. Yeah. Um, again, you know, if you can prioritize an hour's gym session, probably prioritize having at least two of your meals centered around protein and a protein shake on the go yeah um yeah protein bars are annoying aren't they 20 grams 20 grams i know like it's almost not the ideal to be 25 grams it's it's a cost thing to be fair i think three i think they do their market research and they know that um a couple hundred to 250 calories is like the sweet spot and Anything about three pounds, two pound fifty to three pound is about the limit they can charge. Yeah. If they put an extra five grams of protein in, it's you know, bumps that's where pretty much up. all the all the cost is coming from. Probably yeah. bumps the calories to three hundred, probably yeah. um takes the um price up to three pounds fifty, four pounds, yeah. starts to not be so great economically for a snack, I think. I think that's the reasoning behind it. It must be. Uh, it, like from com- a nutrition standpoint, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Yeah, and the companies will know oh you'd like to think so like they will no they'll have people in there that are sports scientists nutrition yeah, sports yeah. nutritionists that sort of thing there's no way they don't um final, final question. question i've got a note of it somewhere yeah so something um i certainly get asked quite a lot or like not even asked necessarily it often gets commented on during check-in um is about muscle soreness and the degree of how sore you feel how directly correlated is that with how good a workout you've had, how hard you've worked? Because um, one of our questions in our check-in sheet is um, rate your muscle soreness. Like obviously from our perspective, it's quite good to know what people's recovery is like. You know, if somebody is really sore all the time, it's an indication to us that there's something not quite right happening, um, whether it be from like a re- recovery standpoint, a diet, nutrition, Probably protein. Probably not eating enough protein um probably not eating enough protein even like recovery sleep all of that good stuff um or just like the volume that they've got in their training is too high and they're not recovering from it so it's it's important that we have an understanding of like how clients are recovering from their sessions um but yeah so soreness is it a good indicator how should we use soreness in regards to judging a workout or recovery from workouts etc mm-hmm. um so i think the general population we go outside of the fitness industry and people who really pay attention to that stuff. 
the general population that would probably have a relationship with soreness is is a sign of a workout. Yeah. If I'm not sore the next day, I probably didn't work out hard enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and probably a it's this is a weird one, right? Because I think that the general population are more right than the fitness industry, but for the wrong reasons. Right. As in. A lot of the fitness industry will say it's not a good sign. It's not a sign of a good workout. You shouldn't be chasing soreness, blah, blah, blah. I would say that's wrong. But I'd also say that the sore you are is not a sign that the better yes. the workout is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so, I mean, we, we spoke about your training a while back, Kate. You were just permanently sore. Yeah, you had bad. overlapping soreness. Yeah. Um, where you were still sore the next time you went to train. Yeah. And... Uh, I was kind of saying, you know, probably is a sign that you're doing too much volume per session for what you can recover from. Um, And so that was something that you kind of did was strip some volume out of your training. Um, And I think you recovered better Mm -hmm. for a a long time. Um, But I would say the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's one of those annoying, like, fitness industry answers of, like... kind of depends it's a bit of a gray area yeah okay there's a couple of there's a few things that impact it how often do you want crippling soreness not very often pretty much never yeah i was gonna say like if you're struggling to walk like feeling i have to take paracetamol or like in a really bad way that's that's not right yeah so that's that's feedback to but this is really difficult right so you can get that kind of soreness after taking a week off training. Yeah. And then just going in a bit hard. Yeah. And then you can go, that was feedback, that was too much. I'm going to pull back a little bit from there mm. and then get zero soreness. Yeah. None. And that's just because you were so sensitive in week one that you've now adapted yeah. a huge amount. Yeah. That that was actually now appropriate. Yeah. Week one was maybe appropriate for week two should have eased in a little bit more on week one week two we should have maybe kept things the same so i i, I have a, a view anytime i get really bad soreness i do exactly gotcha. the same workout the next week yeah um i don't add anything even if i feel like i could but i also don't take anything away now if i got really bad soreness in week two i would take away in week three yeah quite possibly although also quite possibly not but i would definitely be seeing that as more of an indicator of this is probably I'm training a little bit too close to failure yeah. or a bit too much volume. Um, so soreness is definitely correlated with muscle damage. Yeah. Right. Muscle damage is not correlated with muscle growth. Otherwise you would just smack yourself in the leg with a hammer <laughs> loads of times and just beat up the muscle. And have right? real quads. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, or, or anyone ever had like really sore calves from a marathon? Yeah. Did your calves explode? No they stayed exactly the same size because it's not appropriate training for muscle mm-hmm. growth. Um, or you know, maybe your quads from a marathon or whatever. Um, you get really sore, right? So it's one of those things where there is a correlative relationship between soreness and muscle breakdown, muscle breakdown and probably optimal training yeah. in terms of, yeah. So what we can say is if you're doing the right things, so you are resistance training, you're making progress and you're getting some soreness from your workouts. Some, not lots, probably somewhere between three and six out of 10. Yeah. 
that is probably correlative with good workouts. Yeah. If you're getting no soreness at all from your workouts, I think that is correlative and, and a good sign that you could be pushing harder yeah. or with more volume. I think it's really interesting, though, whenever I get that in a check-in, because quite often people be like, I've had no muscle soreness, and then it'll usually be followed by, I think I, I think I should have done more this week, or I think I could have done more this week. And like my response to that is if you think you could have done more, you absolutely could have done more. Mm. Like I don't come out of a hard session thinking I could have done more than that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when I've really dialed my shit together and I've gone in and I've given every rep, everything I've gotten and I've progressed and, you know, you come out the gym feeling that like a little bit dazed. I'm probably a good example of someone who questions whether they could have trained harder and the answer is probably yes. Mm. Um, certainly from like a lower body point of view, I think most of the time I could walk out the gym and I'd be like, someone's like, do you think you could have trained harder today? I'd be like, yeah, probably. Course, yeah. Um, and I think the answer more often than not would be that I could. Um, but again, we don't always have to be trained to failure. It's that no. thing of like, are we training in the right realms? Yeah. Again, so you could be someone who's like a bit hard on themselves. You walk out of the gym, I probably could have given a bit more today. And then the next day you've got five out of 10 muscle soreness. It's probably a good indicator of like, do you know what? Actually, it was probably yeah. enough. Yeah. That was probably enough soreness. Yeah. Um, and I didn't need to push harder than that that week. Doesn't mm. mean that I don't need to push harder next week. Yeah. It's, you know, you adapt yeah. to the stimulus that you give your body. So if you're, um, you know, you're training for six, seven weeks before you take a deload, which mm -hmm. is probably what we would get most clients to do. What you could do in week one and what you can do in week seven and recover from are entirely so different, different things. Yeah. Totally different things. You can handle training close to failure and recover from it. You can have more volume and recover from it. Probably have shorter rest and recover from it. Um, more exercises and recover from it. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily throw all of those things at people, but um, yeah. So soreness is an indicator, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think ignoring soreness as any kind of marker of a good workout is mm -hmm. ignorant in my opinion yeah i think it's an indicator i think getting some kind of like pump in the muscles that you're training is a good indicator mm -hmm. progression because yeah. you track your training is a good indicator um yeah that's kind of the things that I would use to judge a good workout. A good workout. Um, did I feel like I really, you know, and there's certain muscle groups that you won't just feel perfectly. Like, um, you know, you're doing deadlifts. You're not going to be like, oh, my hamstrings when I do deadlifts. Like, it's more of a whole body movement. Same with squats. Like, you should probably feel your thighs and quads a little bit, but yeah. it's, you know, they're not going to be going mad. Um, but, you know. You do a, a row and you should probably feel your back yeah. in general. Uh, you should feel that there's almost that blood pumped in there and all that stuff. And then if you've got a bit of soreness the next day, that'd be great. Yeah. Now, a question for you, Kate. Mm. Do you have muscles that get sore and muscles that don't get sore? Because um, I definitely do. E uh, yes and no, I think. Where gets sore? Glutes, hammies. Quads, always quite sore. Delts are always sore. Whereabouts are your delts? Like, real. The side delts? Yeah. Fascinating. So, muscle group for me that will never, ever, ever get sore 
side belts. Like genuinely sometimes to touch, it's like, oh, okay. I can feel nothing. I could do... Try curling your hair. I could, no, I could do, <laughs> I could <laughs> do double my normal going. volume for my side belts. Oh, really? Like the muscle inside your shoulder. And you I would... feel biceps or triceps. How do you train them quite a lot? You don't feel biceps or triceps. Mm. So I get soreness there. But I get none in my side belts. Now, again, this is information you can use to think about, could I train this muscle group more if I want it to grow? We've actually got a podcast that we're going to do about if some if you've got a muscle group that you want to grow, but it's not growing, how can you kind of troubleshoot why that is and what can you do about it? One of the things is, does it ever get sore? Because mm. that's probably an indicator that you could tr- train it a little bit more. Um, yeah, some, some parts can t- generally take more volume. I would assume that my back could take more volume because it's almost never sore. Yeah. Um, But it's certainly grown all right Mm. over the last two or three years. Medial delts have, I think, grown a little bit, but they've never really gotten sore. So, you know, again, you see that soreness is an indicator. It's an indicator. It's not the indicator. You can't go, I didn't get sore, so I'm not growing. You know, you never get sore somewhere. You could probably take that as like, you could train a little bit closer to failure. You could probably add a couple of sets onto yeah. that so for me i could probably do a couple more sets of lateral raises mm. each each session even not even each each week yeah um and i would probably still recover just fine maybe still not get any soreness um so yeah um because for me it's quads it's glutes sometimes depends mm. how much i train them um my back never gets sore ever uh unless i'm off a deload and then sometimes it gets a bit sore but with, after one week of training, I never get sore back at, at all. Um, my medial doubts, never at all. Traps, pretty much never. Um, so for me, shoulders, back, essentially, never get sore. Mm. Um, but my arms do. So strange. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, thought I'd just ask that question. If you guys That's have got, you're like, do you know what? I can never remember my back getting sore. Yeah. Um, can sometimes be a reason to have a look at technique, by the way. Yeah. If you never get any soreness, could be because you're not using that muscle group at all. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I do lots of um, tricep extensions. I never get sore triceps. It could be you're that your triceps, your triceps. tricep extensions are shite. Yeah. <laughs> and you need to do them a bit differently. Elbows all over the shop. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of long and short of things. Yeah. Um, we've got to walk the dog now. And then we're going to expire. We've been hosting and then we're all watching weekend. Harry Potter on the sofa, and I fucking moving for the rest of the day. Not moving at all. No. Until you demand that I cook you dinner. Yep. Where's my dinner today? <laughs> Where's my dinner, Jake? And then she'll just yeah, lay on the sofa, doing still watching Harry Potter, chilling while I slave at the cook at the cooker. Yes, yeah, that's not really how it goes, guys. Because I'm. Oh. That's that's Ralph. I don't screaming. know if you heard that. He's Ralph's screaming. growling. Because um, he's fast asleep, he's clearly ready for his dog walk. No, he's um, he's hearing Jake just spout bullshit about. No, he's fast how asleep. Things work, you know? He's no team mum. No, no. Sure. Anyway, We're... guys, have a great day. Have a good one. Chat soon. Bye. Bye. bye.